Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Melody Makers. Today, I'm interviewing a composer and musician, James Wolf Bulkholder. He is a composer who has worked on films and TV shows such as The Hot Scene of Hill House, Doctor Sleep, and The Grudge. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, everybody. I my name is James Wolf Bulkholder. I'm a musician. I'm a TV and film composer. Um, and yeah, I'm glad to be here with Nolan talking about talking about music and melody making. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. Awesome, man. All right, I'll just get right into the questions. Cool. So tell me a bit about yourself. What first got you into making music? Um, I started playing music when I was about eight years old. I started playing violin, um, but I uh, never, it never really stuck. And my dad, um, is a singer and a songwriter and a guitar player and um so i always saw him playing guitar and, and wanted to get into that and i think i started playing guitar when i was 10. um and then it was kind of that was the rest was history i fell in love with guitar fell in love with music fell in love with writing songs and yeah that was pretty much it after that that's cool. That reminds me a bit of myself. I started playing ukulele when I was 10. And then after that, I got into piano. And now that's my main. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, piano came later for me. I was in, I was in college when I started to play piano. But um, still not good at it. But, you know, good <laughs> enough to like, get MIDI notes down and stuff like that. Yeah, you don't have to be the best. Just enough to get you making exactly. music. Exactly. How did you learn music? Were you self-taught or did you ever have teachers? I had, te I had some great guitar teachers um, when I was growing up. Um, I had uh, uh, a guy named Pat Cherry in LA who's a great guitar teacher and another guy named Shay Welsh who's another guy in LA who's a fantastic guitar teacher. And um, I was lucky enough to go to a high school where there was great music education. So I got to take, you know, I had a rock band class, I had a jazz band class, I had a salsa class, I had, you know, AP music theory, that kind of stuff. So I was I was very fortunate um to to be able to get um an education in that early on. And then after high school I went to uh Berkeley College of Music for one semester. Was it for me? So I transferred to CalArts and I studied guitar performance at CalArts uh in Valencia um for about a year. And then um, dropped out because I started, I got my first job um, as a guitar tech on tour with the band, um, which kind of led to playing guitar um, on tour for some artists and bands. And I learned a lot about the music industry um, in, that, in that way. And then a um, couple years in, I decided I didn't want to be on the road all the time. And so I, uh, I got an internship with uh, the Newton Brothers, who I still work with to this day. And uh, that's kind of where I learned how to compose, was just under those guys learning on the job. Nice. So, yeah. So I've had to, to, to it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I've had a lot of great, great teachers and mentors throughout my life. Yeah, it sounds like it. It kind of reminds me of the last guy I interviewed. I'm not sure if you're connected with Blair. I know Blair. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how Blair. I found you actually, because you followed. Oh, really? Story. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, Blair. Blair's awesome. Blair is one of the more talented composers, and 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 um, I I've never heard someone make a mock up like Blair. <laughs> he yeah, he's is, great. Um, he is a he is a singular talent in that way. Yeah. Did you have a hard time getting gigs when you started out? What helped you get hired? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, when I started out, I was trying to be a guitar player and uh, it was hard. It was very hard to get gigs. Um, you know, you go on a lot of like auditions and stuff for bands and um, you got to make a lot of um, connections with, you know, music directors and stuff like that. Um, um, you know, when I started working for the Newton Brothers, I very quickly they had me uh, writing additional music for them. And so 
since I've been working with them, I basically have have only you know worked on projects with them since I started about five or six years ago. So um, the the hardest part has been you know doing the gig and and getting the gig so far has been uh, has been um, you know pretty not not too bad. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to get into gigging? A gigging as a guitar player or um just a general musician like yeah, any, I mean, yeah. anyone if you want to be a guitar player move to la and um and just meet musical directors um that's that's who gets you those jobs um if you want to be a composer i highly suggest working for um another composer who's already established um and the main reason i'll say that is because you know, I've taken some orchestration classes and some uh, composition classes and stuff like that, but you really don't, it's really very difficult to learn the craft of composing to picture unless you have someone kind of there guiding you. Um, and so in that way, Andy and Taylor, the, the Newton bros, um, you know, really kind of taught me everything I know in that regard. So that would be my, my advice. That's great advice. Yeah, I would say it's possible to teach yourself, but you're right. It is better to have someone because there's always chances you run into a technical difficulty, right? And you don't really know yeah. how to solve it. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, and no, you're totally correct. I mean, more than at any time in history, you know, self-teaching is totally a possibility. There's incredible educators on uh, YouTube right now. I mean, there's uh, Zach Haiti. Do you know that guy? No. He's got a great YouTube channel um, uh, about, uh, you know, teaching people about film composition. And uh, he does a lot of animation stuff, which is really interesting mm. to me. He's a very talented composer. There's another guy named, um, I think his name is Mati Mattia Chiapa. I'm going to butcher that pronunciation. <laughs> he also has a, a fantastic YouTube channel kind of dealing with the same stuff. So. You know, and th those are just two, you know, so there's 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 a ton of great information on the Internet to learn how to, you know, compose. But um, I, I think that, uh, you know, working for somebody who's already really good at it is is kind of a shortcut. Yeah, I'm yeah. a I'm a big advocate for I think there's there's no wrong or right path. You just do whatever is best for you. I agree 100 percent, 100 percent. What was the first project you ever worked on? Has your process changed since you started? Oh man. So the first the first project I ever wrote music on um was a film called Mary and it's a it was a um a horror movie um about a haunted boat. I'm pretty sure it has 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um <laughs> It's uh, it's it's not the best film, but it, it I did learn a lot um about um kind of not just what because I think when I first started out, you know, the music I was writing, it was just kind of like I would write a track underneath a scene, and it would kind of like not really shift to the kind of you know beats of the scene. And on that film, I really learned how to um kind of move with the beats of the film. Um, and yeah, I would say my process is pretty unrecognizable to when I started, you know? I mean, I started, you know, I didn't have a template, you know, I was just loading up contact instruments as I went and stuff like that. Um, so from a technical perspective, yes. And then from an artistic perspective, you know, I feel like I learned something new every single day I'm writing music um, about myself, about the craft, about um, about filmmaking. I think that's a really important part of being a film composer is, is understanding how films are made and, and, and how editing works. And um, because, you know, for instance, like a really good edit can make your job really really easy and a bad edit can make your job hell on earth right yeah so, so i think learning about that stuff has been 
has been instrumental in, in kind of the way I approach film, uh, film composing. Yeah, and I feel like if, if you aren't really learning anything new, you're not really having fun with what you're doing. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That's, that's kind of the fun part of it, um, is that it's kind of this endless pursuit. You know, you'll never stop. There's, there's so much music in the world, and there's so many movies. And, uh, you know, you'll be infinite. learning. Infinite. Truly infinite. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't agree with, uh, with you more, Nolan. Yeah, and even if you think you know everything, there's always a new door that opens new opportunities, no matter what it is. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. What inspired you to start playing live music? Oh man. Um I that's a really good question and I I'm not sure that I have like a succinct answer for you. I think that um I think I've always loved music from a young age and I think that you know um my parents my parents were performers. Um they're both actors and my dad's a musician and I think uh, I kind of, you know, uh, all their friends are kind of actors and musicians. So we would go to like dinner parties and everyone would be kind of like bringing out guitars and singing songs and stuff like that. And so I think that's probably when I started, um, you know, playing guitar and singing for other people was, you know, probably 11 or 12, you know, around my parents, friends. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. And then I think that, um, you know, when I got older and I got kind of deeper into guitar and, 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 and I was taking it seriously as, as something I wanted to do professionally, um, you know, that's how you make money as a guitar player is, is you, is you play live. There's not really like a, there's not really like a booming industry for, for session guitar players anymore. It doesn't really exist. So I think that that was just kind of the natural natural progression for me. Did you ever promote your music? Like, did you ever put up posters or maybe send out email lists to anyone who would want to hire you? Um, I definitely, I definitely would just cold call, not cold call, but like just like kind of cold text and cold email um, people artists who are looking for guitar players or bands um you know musical directors um so yeah i definitely definitely would do that do you think that's the best way to get hired it's been a long time since i've been in that industry i think that i think that these days i honestly think that social media seems to be a really great way to get hired mm. for gigs um, my friends who are still in the touring world and uh, are consistently working have a really strong online presence, which is something I've never I've never been talented at. Um, it's always been Damn. a <laughs> struggle for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's probably a really really great way to get gigs now is is on Instagram. Yeah, it's surprising too because it's free and like so easy to access to everybody absolutely yeah yeah you just gotta i mean that's just a whole other you know world you gotta put work into these days it's it's interesting yeah you need to have a lot of skill in that area i think yeah yeah i noticed that you do a lot of horror soundtracks is there any reason why you often do this genre um you know i think it's something that the newtons have done a lot um of and uh i think that they have definitely cultivated a um a, a reputation as people who really really know how to do that thing really well and so i've just ended up working on um on those kinds of projects with them um i myself am a huge horror fan so i i love getting to work on horror movies um what's your favorite horror movie by the way Oh, great question. Um, I I'm gonna say it's probably a tie between The Exorcist and The Conjuring. Probably my two favorites. Should and I feel I, bad for never seeing either of those? No, man. No. I mean, I I I'm jealous that you get to watch them. <laughs> time. 
um yeah they're they're both very different movies but they're both phenomenal phenomenal horror movies i'll definitely um, watch them and i think that i think that what what ties those two movies together in a really broad sense is they just have phenomenal stories like they're just really great at at their core they have a really good story it's not just you know a bunch of jump scares yeah that's what i love most about horror i like it better when it's not just jump scares and it's they focus more on the unsettling atmosphere i totally agree i totally agree we um uh the newtons and i just finished co-scoring a film actually called shelby oaks um and it's a it's an indie horror movie um in it um it i I'm, i could be wrong about this but i think i'm right I, it was a kickstarter movie and i think it had the largest kickstarter donation of any film on that platform and um so i just we literally just wrapped up scoring that film last week and that film has an incredible story and i'm very very excited for you and everybody else to get to see that movie once it comes out because um it's it's i think it's one of the most creative um horror movie scripts and just just films that i've seen in a really really long time so i'm very excited about that that sounds exciting congrats yeah. man thank you appreciate it what do you think makes a good horror soundtrack space you need space, you need silence. Um, and it's something, and like I said, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's you, you learn something new every day and I've been learning, you know, I learned so much working on, on Shelby Oaks. I learned a lot. We, we uh, just wrapped score, uh, up scoring um, the new Goosebumps show for Disney Plus. And I learned a ton about space and, um, you know, using really, really kind of minimal elements to promote anxiety and dread and like um, anticipation. Um, I think it's 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 actually very difficult to kind of like choose your to kind of pick your punches and in, in to to use a boxing term it, to to make sure that when you're going minimal, you need to make sure every single element is exactly where it needs to be. Um, so I think that that kind of space and minimalism is is really what makes a great horse for. Are there any specific plugins or effects that you like to use when creating that kind of ambience? Like any, I guess, like reverb or... Sure, reverb is really important. Uh, de reverb and delay are both really important if you want to set something back in a mix and make it feel like it's coming from far away. Um, I, for kind of ethereal stuff um, and scrapes and stuff like that, I really like to make my own contact libraries. Um, I like to, that's why I have my trusty Paluzzo P12 microphone set up right here is because I, I really enjoy recording things myself and and you know fucking around with them in, in logic and 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 making something new and interesting so for instance um for shelby oaks uh and for goosebumps i just found a bunch of metal stuff at a construction site um actually at my parents house they they're having uh, a bunch of construction done and so i found some old rebar and I found some uh like an old metal dustpan and I grabbed a cello bow and just bowed it <laughs> until I found a cool sound and then recorded it and threw it into contact and it sounds really scary. So I think that uh you know for stuff like that and you know obviously you know I use a ton of kind of the aleatoric string stuff. Um I like um the MSS uh they have a really good aleatoric string engine um 8 do or 8 dio i don't know how you pronounce that has the the cage line um and they have some really really great aleatoric elements um for orchestral stuff because that kind of stuff it's really really difficult to recreate on your own um Unless you're but, really rich. <laughs> unless you're really rich and you can hire an orchestra whenever you want. Exactly. <laughs> I've you heard know, I've heard Spitfire has some great 
great ones too. They do. Yeah, Spitfire has some really great aleatoric stuff as well. Um, you know, their Albion lines and stuff. They have some good aleatoric stuff that I that I like to use. But in terms of like weird sounds, you know, I I I really like you know making that stuff on my own. Um, on uh, on Haunting of Hill House. Um, that was one of the first things I worked on. I didn't write any music on that, but I did a bunch of the contact library synth design stuff. On that, we actually recorded a um, a water phone. Do you know what a water phone is? No. It's kind of hard to describe. Um, it essentially it's like a water. It's like a basin um, that you put water in, and it's got a tube sticking up out of the middle and a bunch of these metal tines that are welded around and and it's been used for horror um scores for i don't know 100 years um and what you do is you put water in it and then you bow it and the motion of the water changes the pitch wow. of these times and it sounds really cool um but taylor and i when we were working on the uh the um all this kind of sounds and sound effects for haunting of hill house we really wanted to get a single note out of it and then use that in a contact library and make it a playable instrument like a basically like a synthesizer mm -hmm. and so that's what we did and it, we ended up with a really really cool sound that um you can hear in in a bunch of horror scores so stuff like that i i i i really get a kick out of that kind of stuff yeah i absolutely love the creative side of that because it adds so much to the humanity of the music I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it adds like a, you know, your own personal touch. No one's going to have, you know, everyone's going to have that Spitfire library, but nobody's going to have the metal dustpan library that I just did in, in my studio. You know? Yeah. And then you can even, if you wanted to, you could reuse that in the future. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that a good horror movie needs to have silence or can it still have loudness and still be scary that's a really good question um you, i i could go either way on this one um i think it just depends on the story you're trying to tell but i think that um if you want to if i think that scary movies that have jump scares i think absolutely need silence i think that i think that what i've learned anyways is that kind of building up to a scare with music you know you're taking away at least half of that scare um it's it's just not going to be as scary but if if it's dead silent before a jump scare um that's that's when it really makes people jump out of their seats i think yeah for me there's this game it's actually my favorite game i've ever played it's called amori it's a psychological horror game and okay. the game doesn't rely too heavily on jump scares it has a few but when it does have them, it's usually like dead silent. You don't really, you kind of see it coming, but you also yeah. don't know exactly if it's like what, you don't know what feelings the jump scare is going to cause. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, the, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think that, first of all, horror video games, I can't do. It's too scary <laughs> for me. But um, I, I, I think that, the real fear is in that silence and the jump scare is almost like a release it's almost yeah. like this catharsis that um that the filmmaker delivers and and oh my god i got scared but then kind of the fear's over because once you're once you get that jump scare your adrenaline spikes and then you're like oh i understand what's going on but i think that mystery is 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 really where the fear lies in 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 a good horror movie yeah i also think it kind of has to relate to the story in some way. You can't just have a random jump scare out of nowhere. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's got to it's got to support the story. I agree. Do you prefer doll over hardware or vice versa? Hmm. I I really like playing instruments. Um I really like getting to play guitar. I like recording. I have a upright piano over here i love recording my piano um so whenever i can if i know how to play an instrument i'll play it because um even if i'm not good at it because i think that it gives it 
like you were saying earlier, that kind of human element. So a- anytime I can, I'm 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 getting out the microphone or I'm getting out a couple microphones and I'm and I'm recording live because um number one, I think it makes for a more interesting sound. And number two, that's just where the fun is for me, is is getting to record stuff. Um so I like on Shelby Oaks, th- this instrument over here, it's called a guitar viol. Um, and it's it's essentially um, a six string cello tuned like a guitar, but it has frets. So if you're an idiot like me, you can play it and you're not going to be completely out of tune. Um, and so that that instrument is all over the Shelby Oaks score. And that was that was a lot of fun getting to do that. Um, in terms of like, you know, since stuff in electronics, I'm a very in the box kind of guy. Um, I I. I used to have a bunch of hardware synths in here and I kind of realized I wasn't really using any of them. And when I did, you know, it takes a long time to kind of mix those into a score and then you get notes back. Um, and if you're working on a TV show, for instance, you get notes back, you got to do them. You got to get them in by the end of that day. So it, it, it just, it's time wise. It's very difficult to, um kind of factor in hardware sense um on a tv schedule some people do it really really well and are able to you know use midi um you know send midi to their synths and stuff and get audio back and stuff like that i I tried all that stuff it's it's not really for me if if anything um you know at the beginning of a project i'll either borrow some synths or i'll go to taylor's place taylor has just an insane amount of modular synths and he's got a whole Moog modular setup. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sample stuff at his place sometimes before we start on a project so that we've got it in contact or we've got it in EXS 24. Um, and, and we can use that and, and edit it kind of as we go. But, um, yeah, hardware synths in, in film and TV, it's, it's difficult very difficult so i prefer stuff like diva i think is a phenomenal um uh uh you know synthesize uh software synthesizer um zebra as well also from yuhi and then all the arteria stuff i think is fantastic as well yeah i've got arteria analog labs because it came with my keyboard back here nice yeah great synth great synth also, I love what you said, how even if you, you're not great at an instrument, you'll still play it. I feel like mm-hmm. so many people get this idea that if they suck at an instrument, they, that means they cannot play it. And it bothers me because even if you aren't trained in it, you can still use it and you can get an emotional... An emotional... I was, I was trying to find the right word. It's like, think, um, you know what I'm trying to say? I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think that I think that bringing up emotion, I think that's a really important thing because that's what music does, you know, and especially in a in a film scoring context, you know, that's what that's what you're doing. You're highlighting emotions, you're bringing out emotions. Um, and a real instrument just enhances that even further. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I like and I like the mistakes. You know, I like the the human element. I like that it's not perfect. Um, maybe maybe it's just because I come from kind of a band background. But like, you know, when I used to be in bands, sometimes we'd like get the drummer to record the guitar part because he was worse at guitar, but it worked better for the song. You know, that kind of thing. So um, I think that that's uh, that's a really important element. I don't like I don't like music that sounds. I don't want to say I don't like music that sounds, but I, I don't enjoy making music that sounds perfect, if that makes sense. I, I like those little happy accidents that happen when uh, sometimes when you have no clue what you're doing, I think sometimes you can kind of get the best results. Yeah, for me personally, one of my favorite things to work around it sounding too computerized, mm-hmm. I guess, is when I'm making music. Recently, I've been trying, instead of not doing loops, like where I, I have one pattern and I just loop it. I try mm-hmm. to make it one long pattern and mm-hmm. make it work like for the whole pattern. I do that too. I do the same thing. I don't like doing four bar loops. 
if I have a section that's like, say I'm like recording a drum part on the keyboard or whatever. If I have a section that's, you know, 16 bars long, I'm going to take a pass of that 16 bars because um, I want it. I want it to sound like somebody's actually playing it, you know, and then I try, I try my hardest not to not to hard quantize stuff. Um, you know, I'll, I'll obviously I'll quantize stuff because I'm a guitar player. I have terrible rhythm. <laughs> so like playing in drum parts and stuff is 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 difficult but um but yeah i i i totally agree i i take the same approach do you have any favorite chords or scales to use when you're composing that is a great question um i think that there are there are definitely chord progressions and um modes and scales that are very like filmic that can kind of like immediately if you don't have a good idea you can kind of immediately play around with that might kind of spark um something um i really like for instance for like action music i love the octatonic scale I, i'm not alone in that that's I, i've never heard of that what it, what is that it's an interesting scale um it's an eight note scale so yeah. instead of a, a normal, you know, like an Ionian scale or whatever is a seven note scale, this is an eight note scale. And it's just half steps and whole steps. Oh. So if you start on C, you go C, B sharp, D sharp, E, basically. And then you just follow that up and down. Um, and it's a very kind of unsettling sound. And it, it makes it really, you, you can just mess around on that scale and it, it makes it really kind of easy to, to, if you don't know what you're doing, you're just like, all right, let me mess around with this and see if I get any ideas. Um, I love that scale. I really love, this is getting so nerdy and I love getting nerdy about this stuff. So I'm, I love that you asked me this. Um, yeah, go for it. I love the, uh, I love the Phrygian dominant scale, um, where you have, you know, you have your flat two, your major third, and then you have a flat seven up top. I think you have a flat six too. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not fin phenomenal with theory, but I I like talking about it. Yeah, um, that's a really that's a really fun scale. I think it sounds really kind of out there and and cool. Yeah, dominant is the fifth of the scale, right? Dominant is the fifth. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Um. Do you have any? If anyone if anyone is confused on what modes are. Would you have mm -hmm. any advice for someone who wants to understand them better? Oh. It's I a probably, pretty it's pretty hard, honestly. That's a tough that is a tough question. It's a really good question. Um I I think that you know who is fantastic and um I think my friends would give me shit for this, but I, I, I think he's a really great uh music educator is Rick Beato. Oh on, I, I watched him on youtube he i think he does a really great job he talks a lot about kind of modal uh writing um and i think he does a really great job at explaining what modes are and what their functions are so i would go i would go watch his videos um yeah he's great other than that just play, you know mess around with it on the piano i think i think i think get, really getting it in your ear too like in terms of writing with modes i think really getting it into your ear and being able to play it on piano or guitar, whatever, cello, whatever your instrument is, and, and, and being able to kind of do that and, and, and sing it, and sing it too. Like having it in your, in your vocal cords, I think is a really good, um, is a really good tip. Yeah, singing definitely helps with ear training. 100%, 100%. Did you ever have to do interval training when you were starting up? Yeah, yeah, I did that in high school and in, and in college as well, yeah. Um, I was pretty, pretty terrible at it, but I, I, you know, I, I had to do that stuff. Yeah. I think I, that's my biggest struggle is listening to a song and figuring out the interval right now. That's a good, I mean, it's a good tip. I mean, it's a good, um, what's the word I'm looking for skill to have for sure. I, I, for me, the thing that helped with all this stuff is, is just writing a ton of music, um, and, and putting them putting these concepts into play um, compositionally rather than just kind of as like an exercise. Mm. Yeah, I think exercises are good and they, mm -hmm. they're necessary sometimes, but 
I think they should only take a small portion of your practice, and then the rest yeah. of it should be just playing or making whatever fun stuff you want to do. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that noodling around is a is a totally under uh, underrepresented um, way to learn stuff. You know, messing around with an instrument, messing around in a scale. You know, changing the scale, finding new new things that you you know new notes you like to add in there. I I think that that's a a really I think that's time well spent. Yeah, and it makes it just a lot more enjoyable. I agree. I totally agree. Is there a soundtrack that you're most proud of? This shell this last soundtrack that I worked on this the Shelby Oaks, which um not sure when it's gonna come out. I think they're trying to get it into festivals, but I'm very, very proud of that of that of that soundtrack for sure. What's it like working on a movie versus a TV show? Um a TV show TV is really fast paced. Um so yeah, I bet because you have to release episodes. Compared yeah, to yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean these days, these days, um, typically, the show is done. Like when you get done with the show, they're still working on like VFX and stuff. So you're not releasing, especially in like a ten episode season, you're not releasing as you're writing. But because they need to release it at a certain time, it's the schedules are really tight. So I think that that's the most difficult thing about writing for TV. I personally like a deadline. I think it helps me creatively. Um, so I, I like working in TV um, because I think you kind of have to work. If you're, say you're coming up with a theme or a melody or a chord progression or something, you kind of have to mess around with like one or two ideas and then just sort of pick one and go with it. Um, you don't really kind of have time to mess around and 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 you know try out 10 different ideas you kind of have to like you know move pretty quickly with it um in film typically you have a little bit more time um you know for shelby oaks we had a we had a lot of time in the lead up to mess around with ideas i think i wrote about 20 minutes of music before i even saw picture um or at, at least before we got locked picture um so there's there was just a little bit more time um to mess around with ideas and then once we got into actually scoring the film um you know there was there was more time to kind of sit with ideas you know make sure they're mixed really really well so when you're delivering them they sound the way that you want them to sound um there's there's just a lot more time for stuff like that um on films i was wondering do you ever get to compose do you, do you get to see any of the visuals and compose to the visuals? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most, uh, all the, pretty much every, every project. I can't, I can't think of one where we don't have picture and we're, we're scoring to picture. I'm sure that would, that would definitely help. Yeah. You know, I, like I was saying earlier, kind of the shifts and the, the beats of a film, I think it's really important to kind of, that the music um shifts with that and 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 if you didn't have picture i don't i don't really know how you'd be able to do that I'm, i think that they do the same thing with video games typically too so yeah similar you for know all. i'm not i i uh i think blair's worked on a bunch of video games um yeah, yeah. so he he's way more you know intimately familiar with that process that's from what i understand it's a very kind of different process from from film and tv because you know it's it's more immersive longer you have a long time to work on these on these projects sometimes you know it takes two years yeah um, you also need you know, to have it be more immersive i think because you're actually like controlling what's happening in a way true yeah and i think they have a bunch of like ai stuff that you know you, you i think they send a bunch of different stems of the of the music so that any one of those stems can be played at any time while you're playing the game it's really interesting i mean i i'm talking on my ass here I, <laughs> I i really don't know anything about scoring video games i've never done it but it's it's very interesting to me for sure yeah no problem 
Which soundtrack to you was the most fun to make? I'm I'm like a broken record right now, man. But the Shelby Oaks soundtrack. Oh wait, did I ask? Did I already ask this? No, no, I don't. I think you asked a different question. But okay. But um, I think you said what 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 soundtrack am I most proud of? But this uh. it was also the most fun to make because it was just a bunch of me kind of like uh, you know, like I said, I love recording stuff, and I recorded a lot of vocals for it. I recorded myself playing the guitar viola a lot for it. Uh, there's banjo in the score. You know, there's 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 a bunch of weird, fun stuff I got to record. I love that. banjo. It's Me such too. a fun instrument. It's super fun, yeah. Um, uh, that's another instrument I do not know how to play, and uh, I got some cool Dang. stuff out of it for that reason, you know? Because just messing around with something you have no idea what you're doing on, you know, you're not going to approach it like somebody who's really good at that instrument and and you're going to get something weird out of this yeah are there any films that you'd want to do a soundtrack for in the future or tv shows you got some really great questions nolan <laughs> um, Thank I, you. I i'm gonna say i would love to work in animation um uh, it's not really a genre. Obviously, there's a bunch of different kinds of animation movies, but I think typically they they tend to you you tend to get to play with the orchestra more, and that's something that um, I really love to do. I love writing for um, a, you know I love writing big orchestral stuff. Um, it's something I don't get to do enough of, so I think that would be really really fun is work in animation or just any any film that where where kind of the orchestra is highlighted. You said you don't really get to work with orchestra stuff. Would you ever do an orchestra mixed with a lot of synthesizers? Yeah, I mean that's that's when I'm when I'm working with orchestra, typically it's 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 kind of that that quote unquote hybrid mm. sound where there's like a lot of, you know, synthesizers kind of um uh you know, involved with 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 the music. Um you know, but these days it's, you know, a lot of times it's just, you're just working with samples and you don't get to record. So I think record with an orchestra. So I, I think that that's something that, you know, I I've gotten to do, I don't think I've gotten to do enough of. So any, anytime I get to, you know, record 70 people in a room, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And I, I would love to get to do more of that. Yeah. I was also wondering if, since you've worked with a real orchestra and you also use samples, can you ever tell the difference between the two when you're listening? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. I think that there are some people who are much better at it. Um, and if I'm, I'm, I'm sure that like, if I was watching a movie and I didn't know Blair had done the, had composed it and done the mock-up for it, I probably would be like, this just sounds real to me. Um, you know, it's a skill that I'm I'm still working on every day, getting those samples to sound real. But uh, a lot of times when people don't kind of put that effort into um, into programming and mixing it in the way that it needs to be mixed, I think I can definitely tell a lot of the times, yeah. Yeah, and also it depends on if the person actually has training in that field or if they're trying it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you ever run into technical problems when you're working on a job? Like almost every day. Yeah. Um, computers are always, I mean, it's just an unreliable system, you know, is, is working on computers. I, I've, I've talked to a lot of my friends who are composers, and I think a lot of us wish we could go back to the days when it was just pen and paper. <laughs> and you showed up on the stage and that's your score you know um honestly for me technical problems are my worst enemy especially when i'm learning something new yeah totally totally when you're working with a new piece of software or something and you just can't get it figured out it's the most frustrating thing because you also you know how to you know how to do the thing but there's just this weird obstacle that's stopping you yeah yeah and then you got to spend you know two hours on youtube trying to figure out how to fix it and so, yeah. sometimes you can't even find it. So I've given yeah. up a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know, delete that track and pull up something I know how to use. Yeah. It's not worth it because so much time is wasted. Yeah, totally.
Did you ever struggle to accomplish your goals when you started out? What helped you get through with them? Um, yeah, man, I think that, um, you know, when I first started out, especially writing for, for TV, um, you know, I, one of the first shows that I wrote on was a comedy show and, and comedy is incredibly, incredibly difficult to score. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I remember one time I, I had scored, you know, whatever it was, it was, I think it was maybe 15 minutes of music on this episode. And I sat down with Taylor for him to kind of give me notes before we sent stuff off. And it was like, almost everything was wrong. And, um, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh man, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, I think that, I think that my advice would be, um, I think my advice, my, my first piece of advice is um, what I do. I'm not saying everyone should do this, but what I try really hard to do is kind of detach myself from the end product and, and understand that um, once it's out of your hands, it's out of your hands. And um, if it's not right, it doesn't mean you're bad at writing music. It just means that music wasn't right. And I think not taking that not taking notes personally um, is something that I think would, I, I wish I could go back and tell my, you know, 23 year old self, hey, it's not you, you're not bad at writing. It's just, you know, the music wasn't right for that, for that episode or for that movie or whatever, that scene. Um, and, and also just, you know, beyond everything else, just sticking with it and just trusting that, even if you don't know how to do this perfectly yet, you'll learn. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's what I would say. I think it's also good to know that because it translates into everything in life, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think you're bad because you're new at something, I think that you should not feel that way because being new does not mean bad. It just means you're yeah. new at it. Yeah, absolutely. And you you know what? You don't know what you don't know. And 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 when you learn it, um there'll be 50,000 more things that you don't know. It's a it's a it's an unending process. Exactly. What has been your biggest setback when making a soundtrack? It's a really interesting question. Um, biggest setback. Um, you know, I think the technical stuff can be really, um, really frustrating because it's not anything you did. You're just, your system just doesn't want to work that day. You know, I've had situations where I'm working on an episode of a TV show. I need to do notes on this queue and the session is completely corrupted. Uh, so it won't open and so you have to do tricks like you have to open up a new session import all of it then you import it and it's not falling in the right place it's not that it's the time code is all messed up so stuff like that i think is can be a huge hurdle when um when when that stuff pops up that kind of stuff is my worst enemy whenever i'm i use fo studio so sometimes okay. my worst enemy is seeing fo studio is not responding yeah because yeah. i don't know if it's gonna save the last 20 minutes of my project or not yeah yeah i know it's it's kind of like a, a heart drop terrifying moment <laughs> i've never i've never seen a movie scarier than <laughs> logic is not responding well you should try to make that a movie that would be great <laughs> that's a great idea i'm right, I'm right. If someone wants to get where you are now, what should they start working on? Ooh. Um I would say I would say um <laughs> And sorry sorry if I've been um asking one question like right after the other. Take your time. No, 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 it's great. I think it's a great pace, dude. Um I I I would work on um I would work on all your technical stuff. 
I would work on signal flow. I would work on understanding synthesizers, uh, understanding how to program drums, um, and uh, how to uh, understanding you know how to program MIDI strings and MIDI orchestra and stuff like that. I think that the compositional stuff, it's obviously really important and it's like the most important thing and it's what you do. But I think that that stuff comes naturally. I think that when you write a lot of music, I think that what I'm saying is I think the way to learn how to write music is to write music. Yeah. And so it, when you when you learn all the technical stuff, that's really the hard stuff um, to to learn and, and to get kind of under your fingers. Um, but when it comes to like the composing stuff, you know, be a sponge and just write a lot of music. That's exactly what me and Blair were talking about on our last oh, really? too, which is oh, really no funny. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, we had the exact conversation about being a sponge and absorbing a lot of information. That's so funny. Yeah, no, yeah, Blair and I see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say something, but just blew out of the window. Happens to me all the time. If someone wants to make better music but doesn't know how, what advice would you give them? Honestly, I would give them the same advice. I would say just keep writing. Okay. Um, just keep, keep working on it. You know, and 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 actually, listening to new music is so important. Yeah. Um, listening to stuff that you think you don't like, um, and going outside of your comfort zone with with what you're kind of putting into your ears, I think is really really important. Um, listening to stuff you never thought what you'd be interested in because even if you don't like an entire composition there might be one or two things where you go oh that's a really that's a really interesting idea that's a clever way to construct a melody or that's a clever way to record a guitar you know stuff like that um so i'd say just just listening to a lot of music and 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 just keeping your head down and just keeping keeping writing you ever have a struggle with listening to music you don't like sure yeah definitely but i try to push myself um are there, any, learned... are there any examples sure yeah um like there's a band uh there's a band called uh 100 gex 100 gex um that i when i first heard them i was like i hate this this is terrible <laughs> and now they're one of my favorite bands i think they're oh, incredible wow. Um, I just think that that I was, I think that they were way ahead of the curve, and I think I was way behind it um, in terms of uh, in terms of being a, a a music consumer and a fan of music. Um, but yeah, they, that's a that's a fantastic band. Um, 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 yeah, sorry, I, I cut you off. Oh no, no stress. <laughs> uh yeah that that's just that's that's just one example but uh, you know there's a ton yeah i've heard a lot of hate about them but i think they're a band like any other and if you don't like them that's okay too so absolutely yeah yeah and like i said you know i didn't like them when when i first heard them and i think i just didn't get it and um now i i listen to them all the time i think they're fantastic yeah I think it's important to be open-minded. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if also I will, I will say, if you're a film composer, uh, or if you're you're an aspiring film composer or whatever, um, I think a lot of people say, I've heard like you know, um, Christian um, from Spitfire, uh, he you know he'll say stuff like, oh, for God's sake, don't listen to film music. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I when I was first starting trying to be a film composer, I listened to so much John Williams. I listened to a ton of Hans Zimmer, a ton of Alan Silvestri. I listened to all that stuff. Um, I think it's important to not only listen to that stuff. I think that getting out there and listening to like new bands and new artists, new DJs, whatever it is that you're interested in is really, really important because I think that's where a lot of the new ideas come from. Um, in In film composition, I think there's a lot of lead from popular music into into film composition so i think that's important but yeah awesome do you do you do anything specific when you're listening do you listen to any specific instruments or do you analyze it in any way um i think that 
I think that as a music maker, and I think that most of my friends who do make music, it's it's not that I'm trying to analyze the music. It's just that's the way my brain works now. I can't really listen to music the way that I used to. Like, I, I, I have a distinct memory of of hearing music in a very different way when I was younger. And uh, and now I just, now I hear everything. I hear, oh, well, that's really interesting the way they compressed that. And, uh, oh, wow, they, they really mic'd that, uh, they mic'd that guitar really close. Or, oh, that's a really boomy room sound from the drums you know that's kind of the way that i hear things now um so it's not it's not that i'm trying to analyze stuff it's just i think that you get to a certain point in your music making music listening career and your brain just starts kind of doing that on its own yeah i think that rings true for everyone i remember being a kid and hearing music and because i i didn't even know what some of the instruments were so i was like wow this is so so uh it's like a whole new world and it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you do you try to ever listen to music like when you were a kid? Do you do you try to go back to those childlike imagination? Yeah. Yeah. I think that um I think that that's a great question. Um I think that um the way that I do that is kind of trying to listen to stuff that got me excited about music in the first place. And, you know, your analytical mind is going to do its thing. But I think that I'm a big fan of rewatching movies, re-listening to records I'm, and and learning new things about stuff that you already love. Um, I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. That's just something I really enjoy doing is revisiting old art that I that I that got me excited about art in the first place. So that kind of sparks that imagination, I would say, like going back and listening to Sgt. Pepper. You know, I listened to that for the first time. I was probably five, you know, and that and I remember being really excited about that music. And so, yeah, when I go back, listen to old Beatles records or old, you know, uh, or, you know, I was I'm a huge Radiohead fans so, you know, going back and listening to In Rainbows or OK Computer. Or, uh pablo honey or some of those earlier you know records is is something that really kind of sparks my imagination for sure nostalgia is such an empowering feeling i think it it can influence you in ways you never you never would have thought about before i think so too i think so too and i and i enjoy revisiting those nostalgic uh pieces of art um with what i know now and 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 I think it allows you to learn new things about stuff that, you know, you've that has kind of always been in your life. Yeah. So what what are your current projects? Are you working on anything new? Um, not really. Um, I just finished. I kind of finished up this movie last week. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually getting married in six weeks, so oh, I, awesome. I I'm. I'm uh thanks man. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of trying to you know stick around and be be with my fiance while we try to finish planning this thing. Congratulations. So, thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, so I'm trying to take a little bit of time off uh between now and the wedding. So no, nothing lined up actually. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Are you yeah. having it based in LA? Yeah, 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 we're doing it in LA. Sounds awesome. Yeah, man. Very happy for you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Do you think you'd ever release an album that's unrelated to your soundtracks? Yeah, I actually, I have an EP that's kind of sitting in the wings. It's like sitting on my hard drive mixed and mastered. Um, I just haven't had the time to kind of like focus on on putting it out and, um, you know, getting artwork done for it and stuff like that. So, but eventually, hopefully this year, I'm, I'm going to release a, an EP. That sounds cool. Do you plan on releasing it to Spotify? And all those yeah I'll, I'll probably just release it um to all the all the streaming services yeah cool i'll definitely check that out awesome man what can we expect from your future works um <clears throat> hopefully hopefully just you know keeping trying to you know push my own envelope um and 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 learn new things as i'm writing and and um and uh you know try to try to just be a 
a better composer every day. Try to, you know, you know, like we were saying, just just stay a sponge and learn new things and try to incorporate it into my music. That's the way. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the interview. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nolan. This has been a great time. man. Yeah, of course. It was lovely meeting you. And I'm very grateful that you accepted it. No problem, man. No problem at all. Awesome. Well, awesome. I hope we can stay in touch. I'll see you later. See you later, buddy. Bye. Bye.